Today's episode is brought to you exclusively by the good folks at Blue Note Therapeutics. Blue Note creates prescription digital therapy apps to help patients address the common yet overlooked side effects of cancer, like stress, anxiety, and depression. Check out their new fully remote clinical trial at bluenotetherapeutics.com backslash trials. Welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. I'm Trevor Maxwell. I'm a stage four colon cancer survivor, and I've got a message for other men. You don't have to go through this alone. What does it mean to man up to cancer? It means reaching out instead of isolating. It means having the courage to accept help along the way. To me, manning up isn't just about being tough. It's about knowing that we're stronger and smarter as a pack than we are as lone wolves. Welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. I am coming to you live from Cape Elizabeth, Maine, Man Up to Cancer World Global Headquarters. Um, I, okay, let's just get this out of the way right up front for this episode. Men get breast cancer. I'm going to, okay, let me say that out loud, louder for the people in the back. Men get breast cancer. (laughs) Uh, understand that if you are a guy, check for it. We're going to talk about this, but tonight I am talking with my buddy, Danny Riggs. Danny, welcome to the show. Thanks Trevor. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. So Danny, um, I've gotten to know Danny through man up to cancer. He is a beloved member of the howling place, our Facebook group for men impacted by cancer. He lives near Houston on the Gulf coast of Texas. Danny has a, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You have a 13 year old son and a three year old daughter. Yes, and, and a wife, Sarah, and a twenty-two-year-old son. <laughs> okay, and a twenty-two-year-old son. Yeah, we don't want to yep. leave anybody out. Nope. Um, so Danny is a breast cancer survivor. He is. Um, he's a friend to all of us in Man Up to Cancer. He has also stepped up as a Wolfpack leader for Man Up to Cancer, and in that role, he is one of eighteen folks from across the U.S. and Canada who is helping to spread the word that men should not face cancer alone. Man, thanks so much for doing all that you're doing. Thanks, Trevor. I, I appreciate the opportunity, and I, I we'll talk about this later. But I just wish I had found you guys sooner. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, <laughs> I and and I wish that I had had it sooner on in my journey for sure. I'm so thankful for the relationships we're forming. Um, we're gonna, yeah, we will get into that later. It's awesome. So before diagnosis, so you got diagnosed in March, 2020, like you said, right around the start of this, apparently there's been a pandemic going on for a couple of years. <laughs> um, before diagnosis, were you aware that men could get breast cancer? Yes, I actually was. Um, okay. Tell us about but, how you knew that. So my first, <clears throat> my first lifetime career was working as a paramedic, uh, and doing all facets of it from private transfer service to emergency services, to flight medicine, to offshore medicine. And it was just, I enjoyed, I, I love, and I still have a passion for that. Um, and working in transfer centers and also living in the Houston area with MD Anderson Cancer Center, we did a lot of facility transfers in and out of MD Anderson. Right. And I remember I was a very young paramedic and we were doing this transfer in and I 
picked up the guy's paperwork and I start reading it. And I'm reading his history and it says metastatic breast cancer. And the first thing I did was I looked at the top of the chart to reread the name. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. And I was like, oh my gosh, this dude had breast cancer. Yeah. And, and, and he was, he was fighting it to the very, very end, but he was about to that point of saying, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to live quality of life from now on. And so that was my first introduction to it was having a patient in the back of my ambulance that had breast cancer, a male who had breast cancer. Um, so I had already known, uh, fast forward to when all this is going on. Um, and I think I've shared with you before, uh, it was actually a year and a half earlier back in November of 18. Yeah. Tell I come us home about one that. night and I'm taking my shirt off and my fingers and thumb brush up and I hit something in my right nipple and it, it felt like a chickpea maybe. And I was like, what the hell is that? Yeah. And I kind of felt around and mashed on it, you know, and even though I knew men could get breast cancer at that point, I wasn't aware enough to do self exams or anything, but I felt that it was weird. And I went to Sarah and I was like, Hey, what do you think this feels like? And she felt on it. And she goes, I think it feels like you need to go see your doctor. Mm. And I did, they scheduled a mammogram and, and the, the shock of everybody when they see a man walk into anything that has to do with breast cancer. Right. I'm at a, a very excellent imaging center. And I walk into the door, I go to the desk and I sign in and the receptionist and God bless her. She looks up, she goes, are you here to sign your wife in? I was like, no, I'm here to sign myself in. She's like, oh, what are you having done? I said, mammogram. Oh, okay. And and she was cool about it, but you could tell she was like, you sure about this? Right. And you know, at, at that point, I can understand why she would say that because not knowing then, but knowing now how little information there is out there about male breast cancer. So did Absolutely. all that. Yep. They, they dismissed it uh, as an, it wasn't a cancer threat. Okay. But then they, they always back end it with that. But if it changes or becomes painful or gets bigger, anything, come back and get it, get it checked out again. Gotcha. So I'm like, done with that. I'm just going to move, move on. It's not cancer. I, I don't know what it is, but it's not cancer. Move on. And of course it, so for those of you that like medical terms, it's gynecomastia non-tumorous growth that a lot of men get in their forties. So there I was, I mean, in my forties and yeah, got it. So fast forward a year and a half and we had, I had changed jobs and had been promoted up and was doing really, really well, but I work in construction. And with that, we work a lot of hours and the closer we get to the completion of a project, the more hours we work. Uh, and at the time I was literally working 13 days on and one day off and, wow. and doing 12 hour days. Wow. And I literally didn't have time to go see a doctor, but this thing was, it was starting to get painful and it started out itchy and then it started getting painful and I, I wasn't liking it. And on Valentine's night of 2020, I was taking my shirt off again. I was like, why does that feel so hot? And, and backtrack just an hour <laughs> that day at work, being in construction, yeah, we're always messing with each other and getting in personal space. We're a very, very unique bunch of individuals. 
And one of my coworkers had kind of goosed me and when he hit, I was like, God dang, that hurt. He's like, what do you got in there? I was like, I don't know, man. I got some kind of cyst or something that I need to go get it checked out. And he's like, well, you probably ought to, if it hurts. From, I mean, he barely touched me, but nonetheless, and, and yeah. don't, don't tell the HR department that because that's. A, <laughs> <laughs> and but, this was in the same, this was this in the same spot area from yes. the year and a half prior. Yeah. Yes. Same spot. So came home, we had, and it was our first Valentine's day with the kids and everything. And Sarah and I had always had a tradition of doing surf and turf together on Valentine's. So I came home and cooked some steaks and some crab legs. And we'd had this nice little family Valentine's dinner. And I had to be up at four o'clock in the morning to go back for another 12 hours of work. And as I'm getting undressed, I was like, Hey, can you take a look at this thing again and tell me if it feels any different to you? Because I think it's getting bigger and it feels like hot. And if you breathe on it, it hurts. She came over and looked at that and she goes, why haven't you said something until now? And started the process over again. Uh, went to see my doctor. Uh, my doctor and I have been on very good terms for several years that I've been, mm. been seeing him. I walked in and he's like, hey, DM, what's going on, man? I was like, Chris, I need you to take a look at something because this thing hurts. And I opened up my shirt and my doctor was transparent enough to look at it and goes, this isn't good. Mm. Because by this time it was red, it was swollen, the nipple was starting to invert, uh, no discharge or any other signs, but enough of the signs were there. Yeah. Um, he did his exam on it, said, all right, get your shirt on. I'm going to go out in the hall, make a couple phone calls, I'll be right back and let you know what the plan is. And, and that's one of the things I love about him is that he doesn't say what I would like for you to do is he, he does what every doctor needs to do with men when it comes to men's health. Don't give us options. You're <laughs> going to do this. And he came in he's like, okay, day after tomorrow, you're going to go get another ultrasound or another mammogram and an ultrasound. When you do that, the radiologist is probably going to schedule you for a biopsy, get that done as soon as you can. And then when we get all those results in, we'll figure out what the next steps are. I was like, chance this is a cancer? He goes, it's a very high chance. Yeah, like, all, right. all of a sudden you're in the shoot, man. Yeah, so I'm like, all right, fine, whatever, let's do it, come on. And so we did all the additional scans and et cetera, just like he said. And this was, you know, and again, this is our first year with our kiddos. And so we had this big spring break camping trip plan. Radiologist comes in, he says, hey, I have read your films, I've read your scan, and, and it, it was to the point that during the ultrasound, the tech was like, sit tight for me for just a minute, because one of the things I, I want the doctor to come in here and take a look at a few things and having enough medical knowledge that when the tech was like, the docs want to go, go to want to see this. And sure enough, the radiologist came in and did the ultrasound himself. And in addition to everything else, one of the things that my primary care doctor had found was that I had this rigid tract that ran from my nipple into my armpit. And so they're scanning that and looking at everything. And I'm like, why are we going down all the way in my armpit? Huh, yeah. And he's like, I'm checking to see how many lymph nodes may be infected or yep. affected. And I was like, yep. Oh, this just got serious. Yeah. Oh shit. And he told me, see, I want you to come back next week, Wednesday. We're going to do the needle biopsy. I was like, 
Wednesday's not good. I'm going to be out of town. Uh, we, we live in League City, which is just south of Houston. Just north of Houston is Conroe. You can Google map it if you're not familiar. But it's yeah. about an hour and a half drive to and from. So after balking about it and then coming home and telling Sarah, no, I'm not going to do it. She goes, uh, I don't think you have a choice here. And it's only an hour and a half. I'll stay with the kids at the campground. You come back, get the biopsy done, come back and join us. All right, cool. That's the plan. So you get the biopsy and you told me before we started recording, this was just at the very beginning of the coronavirus outbreak. You went camping, but you end up coming home early and you get a phone call that next morning. A little after eight o'clock, phone rings Uh and look at it, see who the caller ID is and answer it. And it's the radiologist. He said, Hey, we got your results in and everything. Do you want me to give it to you over the phone or do you want to come into the office? I was like, I'm right here with my wife. Let me put you on the speaker and give it to me. And he's like, yep, it's confirmed. You have breast cancer. And you know, I, I had already kind of prepped myself, you know, cause if, if it's going to happen to anybody, it's going to happen to me. That's just kind of the luck I run. But, but then I take that and it's like, you know what? I, I've survived worse than this. Right. And so he was the first one to say, you have breast cancer. It's confirmed. We're not yeah. thinking it. We're not trying to rule it out. We're not suspicious. We know. I was like, okay, what's next? He said, I'm going to send your results to your primary doctor. He's going to schedule you, get you set up with an oncologist. We got you. All right. I hung up the phone and Sarah's like, so what does this mean? I was like, it means we have cancer, but it doesn't have us. Whatever the doctors say to do, we're going to do it. If they're not doing enough, I'm going to be that patient. It's just a pain in the ass that they're going to, do stuff just to make me shut up. And, and I learned that was a good thing. Um, that was March the 13th. It was Friday, the 13th, March the 13th of 2020. And I was like, Holy crap. My entire world just came crumbling down because of this personal health crisis. So fast forward just a little bit. COVID has hit. I've got my surgical oncology, uh, consult, Sarah and I load up that morning. We go to see the surgeon. Uh, she explains the whole process. Um, and, and I will say, I got to MD Anderson through another hospital organization that's wonderful. But as far as my cancer care, I want everybody to know how wonderful MD Anderson Cancer Center is. Um, oh, yeah. So that that's the only name that I throw out there. But uh, <clears throat> it's, they, they took me in immediately. Um, she told me what the plan was, not the options. She said, look, as a man, you really don't have a lot of options. This is the procedure we're going to do because it has already spread to your lymph nodes. This is the additional procedure I'm going to do. And after we get everything back, then we'll be able to grade it and measure it and class it and tell you what stage it is for sure. But right now I think you might be stage two. And I was like, okay. And Sure enough, 13 days after diagnosis on March 26, I underwent a modified radical mastectomy with lymph node dissection, where they took out a total of 19 lymph nodes and three lymph node tracts. And 
came back with two positive lymph nodes. Yep. And so like, okay, so this is the type of cancer you have. It, it's for, for those of you in the, the breast cancer land, I was holding my breath because the only thing I didn't want to hear was triple negative. Right. And they came back and they said, your cancer is estrogen receptor positive. And I was like, woohoo, we know what caused it. We know what fed it, you know? Yeah. And, and we, and there's a treatment plan for that, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So she's like, I'm going to pass you back off to your medical oncologist because after this, you're going to need to do chemo. You probably will do radiation. Maybe not. We'll see. But I'm going to do surgical follow-ups with you, yada, 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 and we're done. Um, with all this, or she was scheduling me. As we're leaving to get all the pre-op stuff set up, blood work, EKGs, uh, uh, MRIs, and all that good stuff so that they could map everything out and plan the surgery, receptionist looks at it and she goes, oh, and by the way, we just got an email from the hospital administration, beginning tomorrow morning, there's no visitors allowed at the hospital. Oh yeah. Lockdown. And that was the very first thing that was like, oh no, I can't do this. Not, not without her. And because mm-hmm. I mean, Sarah and I have been through some shit. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've, we've moved halfway across the country together and moved back together. We've, been through several significant losses. We, we survived hurricane Harvey with four feet of water in our house. We've been through some stuff and, and then going through the whole foster care licensing program. I was like, I I need her. And I was like, okay, we can do this. We've survived everything else. We'll survive this too. And so went in, had the mastectomy done. And the, the modern miracles of modern medicine, you know, it's like 10, 15 years ago, if somebody went in to have a mastectomy, it was a week or so in the hospital. I went in that morning and 12 hours later, they rolled me out, put me in the car and said, go home and maintain your drains. Wow. And yeah. And for those, those of you who have never had the, the joyful experience of having surgical drains, I pray to God you never have it. <laughs> um, the, the drains became the bane of my existence for the next two weeks. When I finally was able to get them out, that was that was the most pain I had experienced through all of the entire surgical recovery. And, and it really sucked because here I am two weeks post-op, and, and I'm also two weeks no longer having cancer tumors in my and I didn't realize how sick those tumors had made me until I didn't have them anymore. And like, yeah, except for these balls hanging out of my chest, I feel better than I have in a year. And so I was ready to get these things out and I'm going to go tackle the world again. I'm ready to go. The first day I get chemo, I went and did my infusion. My, my little port buddy worked great and wonderful and yay. Everything's fantastic. And, Went back to work that day. I was like, okay, I got this thing. It ain't gonna make me sick. Uh, Three days later, I was like going out both ends at a million miles an hour. I could barely get out of bed. And I was like, well, this sucks. And we started 
realizing second, third, fourth weekend that, okay, I need to change my chemo day so that I know that I'm not going to be working on the day when the side effects hit. And you and were dancing with the the Red Devil at that point, right? Dr. Rubison? So I, I got to meet the Red Devil last. Okay. Uh, they, they did the uh, Taxol treatment on me first. Yeah, and, the Taxol, yeah. And Taxol it literally ate my lunch. Uh, it ate my lunch because I wasn't eating my lunch. Um, yep. and I, I, it was so funny because every time I'd go to the cancer center for treatment, they'd be like, do you have any of the following symptoms? Well, guess what? <laughs> Cough, dry mouth, <laughs> nausea, achy joints, uh, diarrhea, fever, loss of sense or taste, uh, of se- taste or smell. Those yeah. are all the exact same side effects of Taxol. So I'm like, do you mean more than what my chemo is doing <laughs> to me? And, and it was funny because they're like, yeah, more than what the chemo is doing to you. I was like, no, I don't have COVID. And... So we, we would go through this, but yeah, every single one of those. Um, so I, yes. could you tell us about, um, so you got to, so you, you, you had your surgery, you did your treatment and, and you got to ring the bell at some point you were declared Ned, no evidence of disease, right? Yes. <clears throat> I, uh, did chemo. I did radiation radiations Monday through Friday gig. Uh, it's only 15 minutes on the table, but that 15 minutes turns you into an absolute lobster with crispy fried skin. Yeah. And on November 17th of uh, 2020, we went into the Galveston County courthouse and finalized the adoption on my son. And we've got all these wonderful pictures of all this love and joy and happiness, but you don't see in those pictures is that underneath my shirt, I'm on fire. And, and I will always remember that because that was on November 17th and November 20th, I rang that bell and God bless guys at MDN. So they, with COVID going on and nobody being able there to ring the bell with you, they've actually had these little miniature handbells made that you can take home with you and you can make a bell ringing at home. And that was awesome. And went a couple months. It's like, okay, time to go do all your follow-up stuff and went in and my ongoing monitoring is going to be once a year mammogram and ultrasound once a year MRI. Okay. We're going to space them six months apart so that I'm doing something. I get scanxiety every six months now. Yeah. Uh, went in for the first MRI and got home and God bless my chart. I love my chart because <laughs> I see my results the exact same moment that my doctors do. And as soon as it said test result posted, I went and read it and I'm scanning through, scanning through, scanning through. And I see it in all capital letters, no evidence of disease. Oh yeah. And I was, Party. <laughs> and that was or sleep. You're so, you're so exhausted yeah. from the anxiety. And so January 8th of last year, I was declared to have no evidence of the disease. Uh, it's on my calendar now, found Ned. And <laughs> I really thought it was over with. I was like, all right, we're done. No, we weren't. Because the other thing they don't tell you about is that cancer fucks up your head. And you, you start having the feels like you've never had the feels before in your life. 
Yep. Uh, as a PTSD survivor, I, I know what it's like to go through PTSD. And I knew I was going down that same slope because of the cancer. Yep. And I was like, this isn't right. I, I beat this shit. Why am I feeling this way? And I'm here to tell you, survivor's guilt is real. Yeah. And I'm struggling because there, there are other men's breast cancer awareness groups and out there that are doing a wonderful job raising awareness and spreading the word that men have breasts too. But I couldn't find a support group where I was welcome because if I went to a breast cancer support group, whether it be we, we weren't doing anything live, but whether it be a Zoom or a Facebook group or anything like that. Yeah. You're, you're a guy, you know, even from other breast cancer fighters. And it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm a guy. And then I couldn't find, you know, it's like, I started looking around and, and I'm not dogging out anybody, but all the other groups, they were specific to a specific type of cancer. Right. Uh, Colin town. Awesome guys. Right, right. Awesome organization. Yeah. But I don't know dick about colorectal cancer. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm sorry. And, and I don't expect them to understand what it's like to go through breast cancer. Right. And it's time for a quick break. We want to thank Blue Note Therapeutics for sponsoring today's podcast. Man Up to Cancer only partners with companies that offer real solutions for our community. Blue Note's mission is to ease the emotional burden of cancer and improve health outcomes. The company takes cancer-specific face-to-face therapies and recreates that experience in a digital format on your phone. These digital therapies address the emotional challenges that myself and many of us face, and they're accessible on demand anytime, anywhere. Check out their new fully remote clinical trial at bluenotetherapeutics.com backslash trials. Big shout out to Jeff, Laura, Mark, and the rest of the Blue Note team. We are so grateful for your support. Joe Bullock found you and brought you into the fold, into the Man Up to Cancer group, right? Yes, he brought me into the pack. And, you know, and I'm not going to lie, I was, I was skeptical. And I was like, okay, I, I've, I've tried Facebook groups and it's, and the joy of it is, like, you know, you get a Facebook invite to join a group and you can like see everything for X number of days. And I'm scrolling through and you guys are talking about beer and <laughs> motorcycles and camping and hunting and, and, and farming and, and pizza. <laughs> and, oh boy. And I was just like, <laughs> these are my people. Yeah. And this is the stuff I want to talk about. I don't, I don't want to woe is me i have breast cancer i want to be like hey i'm doing this today and i realized that it felt different it seemed different i thought about it different i i couldn't quite do it as well because i don't have the same range of motion that's the crap i want to talk about perfect so i was like all right i'll join join the group and the rest has been just absolutely beautiful history i mean it's I mean, the the guys in there are just great guys. And, and like right. you said, like, that's another kind of secret. Like people think it's like this cancer support group. So we talk about cancer all the time, but the, most of the posts, honestly, are just about our lives. So it's a, really right. a social group. I mean, obviously we do talk about our cancer and when we need to vent, we vent. When we need support, we get support. We offer support, but there's just a lot of life talk about just all the awesome stuff that we do. And, and we just, and, and we have stuff in common with people and you find yeah, you find your people there. So that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> I mean, hell, I, I posted today. It's like, hey, has anybody ever found a non-alcoholic bourbon that was worth a flip? You know, because, you know, 
Yeah. Did you did you find one? Did someone have a suggestion? Not yet. Not I've yet. got a couple leads on some. Um, Mike really turned me on to a couple that I'm going to check out, but I haven't tried any yet because, again, I'm a skeptic. <laughs> but so, yeah. yeah so, so I found th- the Howling Place. And yep. um, in the course of all this, there's a, a local radio show that I, I listen to each morning that has the largest listener base in, in the Houston metro area. Uh, I had a chance to be on that show and talk for a little bit and get the word out there. Um, and then last year when you posted about the leadership program and I was like, Oh good. Well, if nothing else, this would give me more ideas of, you know, how to get the word out there. And when you're like, Hey, I'd really like to see you get involved in this. I was like, okay, I absolutely. Yeah, um, man. I, I'm one of these, once I get involved with something, I always go in all in, you know, and, and the fact that you chose the wolf pack and are the, the, the wolf to, to represent man after cancer in the howling place. Yeah. It's there's so much science and beauty behind that. You know, a lone wolf will not survive. Right. And I have been a lone wolf in a lot of things that I've done in my life. And especially saying I'm the provider, I'm the fixer. I make shit happen. And when I got diagnosed, I wasn't able to do that anymore. When I was going through treatment, I couldn't do that anymore. Oh, this is my goosebump moment. I have them pretty much every show because that's exactly what I say is that that like that rugged individualism, like that can carry you far. And a lot of times in your life, that's perfect. That's what you need. But then cancer comes along and it is a whole different animal, man. And yeah. people can go through different experiences, but cancer is, um, a, uh, you, you need a, you need a pack to go through it with or, or I, ideally. So that's what you're saying. And then, so you were able to find, you know, in the, in the howling place, there are guys, you know, there's other guys in Texas. You're able to connect with guys, um, on an individual personal level who are going through maybe not breast cancer, but, um, you know, the cancer experience. And, and then to your point, man up to cancer is for men facing any type of cancer, not just one or another. Yes, exactly. And, and and it's one of those things that after I found out that I had a really good survival odds, really, really good survival odds. Awesome. I was like, okay, I need to get the word out. And and I'm trying to, and, and knowing all the struggles that I had had trying to find a place to fit in, a place where I could get involved, like directly involved. And, and it wasn't happening. I was like, well, F this, I'll just do my own thing. Yeah. And my wife was like, I respect your enthusiasm, but when are you going to have time to yeah. do Right. And I was like, you're right. And this was about the same time that I found Man Up to Cancer. Yeah. You got, and you got a lot on your plate, man. Wow. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I just need to funnel people to this website. And if you don't know it, it's man up to cancer.com. So <laughs> thank you. Uh, funnel people to this website. <laughs> and when I find out about men who are going through, um, one, one of my greatest supporters through this entire experience, uh, a very, very dear friend that I've known for over 30 years now. Oh, wow. Uh, Risha, T- uh, Risha Tanner. Uh, she was colorectal cancer patient as well. And while I was going through all of my treatments, she was my rock. She was my, this is normal. 
you're going to make it through this. Hey, here's some tips and tricks and things you can do to make that better. No, that's bullshit. Talk to your oncology team, talk, especially during radiation. Talk oh, to your man. radiation yeah, You team. need that person, yeah. And the month before I was declared Ned, they found additional cancer in Risha. Yeah. And, and it wasn't looking good. And so her husband, Keith, uh, also a member of the group when we, we, you know, we welcome everybody. If you're a man and your life has been impacted by cancer, that's right. Patient, survivor, lawyer, caregiver, friend, spouse, whatever it is, you're well. And I was like, Keith, you got to get in here. And so shout out to Keith. If you're listening, buddy. Yeah, definitely. Um, shout out Keith. We love you, buddy. Um, in September of this past year, Risha, she made it home. And it was hard to say bye to Risha, but knowing that Keith had one more place that he could come and vent if he needed to, you know, and the, being able to share that. And I was like, this is what I want. I just want people to have a safe place and get the word out there. You know, I, I yeah, want to spread the word about male breast cancer and spread the word that you're going to need help and you're going to need to ask for it. And yeah, so so that's this is a great point because and we talked before we started recording. Uh, so one of the huge barriers for men in general is to get to that point where they say, you know, I'm I'm ready to accept help. That's that's a tough one. And so you said, tell me, I, I wrote it down here, but what's the what is the phrase that you've been thinking about lately? If you don't if you don't ask for help, if you don't ask for help, nobody knows you need it. I love it. You receive the help when you need it. And then when you're able, you pay it forward, exactly. which is what you have been doing. I mean, and, and that's the thing. It's not like, you know, there's a reciprocity with this, but, but you do have to get through that first barrier first to realize yeah. that accepting help is that's okay. That's human. That's why we have communities. I want to talk about Jeff real quick. So shout out to Jeff Wackerman, another howling place, um, legend now at this point. I mean, he, he's just such a force in there and, um, you, he is, is he also from Texas or how, how did you got a chance to actually meet him in person? Right? So yes. Uh, Jeff, Jeff and I are in the, the same business. We're both in, in the construction world. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to tell all of his story. Maybe you can get him on the podcast and he can, I think, yeah, I definitely need to get him on. Yeah. He he's got a really cool work location and because of, uh, his esophageal cancer, he's had to stay at home and hasn't been able to go back to work and this, that, and another. And, and he was getting pretty frustrated with it. And, uh, and I, I'm an admin for a food lovers group on Facebook and through the howling place we met. And then through the food lovers group, we found out that we both have a fondness for smoked meat and barbecue. And yep, <laughs> go figure. We both live in Texas. And then lo and behold, I found out that, he lives quite literally 20 minutes down the road from where I am. Oh, okay. Awesome. And he's like, Hey, why don't you come over and let's do some, some barbecue someday. And it was supposed to be the whole family, but, uh, I think bug had gotten sick that day. So it was just me and Steven went down, hung out with Jeff, had some amazing pulled pork and this, that, and another, and just really got to sit and talk about, you know, not just our cancer journeys, but our techniques and our skills for, for barbecuing and 
different recipes and shared things. And it's just, and that's what I love about the Howling Place is like you said, it's yeah. not just the cancer. It's the cancer that brought us together yeah. and made us all realize that we have so much in common. Right. And, and I think you've talked about this on other previous episodes, of the podcast that, you know, social media, it's, it's usually just one of those things where people either brag about their fake life going on or they <laughs> bitch about their real life going on. But through social media, I have made so many genuine friends that, you know, the, the best contact face-to-face contact we've ever had is either through a zoom meeting or stalking each other's pages on, you know, looking through our lives on Facebook and stuff, but you get this true connection to folks. Um, Absolutely. And I, and I love it when I, I, we don't, we totally do. And I love it when people get together in real life, you know, we, we make these friendships, we find each other online, but then when people can gather and do barbecue or said, even if it's just a cup of coffee or when people are starting to get together in person, that just brings me such joy because it it takes it to a whole different level of like, okay, now we're taking, you know, like when Joe came up to visit me from North Carolina, I think that was the longest trip he had ever taken. And we just, you know, it's like, we've been friends all our lives. You know, you have, you make those connections. Right. And it's, and it's so, so wonderful. The, the power of the group and the, the transparency and the honesty and everything. It's just, it's been such a blessing to be a part of it. And I, Oh, like you said, it's it's a pay it forward kind of thing. And the best part about it is that I'm never going to be done paying it forward because I have come to realize that the more I pay it forward, the more I get out of it. I feel better by doing more for others. Beautiful. So it's just like, yep. come on, let's go. Who, who else can we get into this pack? <laughs> totally. Well, and so I just, I'm just going to say thank you, man. I could go on for a long time, but thank you. I want to ask you about... Um, some of the stigma. Um, I, so I've heard from some other, and we do have some other um, breast cancer dudes yes. in the Howling Place, um, but I, I've heard from some other males, uh, breast cancer survivors, that they have felt uh, or have dealt with shame or embarrassment in having, quote unquote, a woman's cancer. And that's something they've worked to overcome. And like you said, like maybe some social isolation from from um, being a man with a, a disease that is predominantly or thought of to be a woman's disease. Is that, has that been a challenge for you in any way? So it's kind of a double-sided answer, Trevor. It's a clinically, medically, I was like, you know, yeah, men get breast cancer, no big deal. But mm-hmm. honestly, the mental portion of it is, you know, finding that place to fit in. And yeah, it sucks because um, I, I'm just going to throw this out there for anybody. That, all breast cancer cases, men make up 1%. Right. Uh, overall odds yeah. for women is one in eight. Overall men odds for men is one in 833. Thank you for sharing this though. This is good. Um, I'm that one in 833. But those other 99% of breast cancer patients and survivors and warriors and champions, they, they get it. They understand that yes, men get breast cancer, right? But they are not going to be as open and honest. And, and honestly, it's, they've gone through a different type of emotional and mental trauma 
Um, and I actually talked about this on another podcast interview I did uh, yeah, last yeah. week. A lot of it is because the sexualization of breast. And this is actually one of the things that I've really had my eyes open to during this process is, and dudes, I'm saying this one man to another, let's quit sexualizing breasts. <sighs> it's, it's an anatomical feature. Yeah. Let's treat it as such, you know, and because of the sexualization of it, it's very difficult for men and women to collectively talk about their breasts. Totally. Um, in the same realm, uh, you know, our, our good friend, Justin, he, he's doing a wonderful thing with the, the ballsy sense of tumor and everything. Yeah. But how is a woman going to relate or be able to talk about that? Or, you know, the, there are cancers that are gender specific. That's right. But when we have a non-discriminatory cancer, and the only reason it is genderized is because of our social taboos and and conditioning. We can fix that. Great point. We can fix that. And so, in terms of the the social stigma related to men and breast cancer, have you encountered, or what have you encountered in terms of people maybe being uh, disbelief or rudeness, or have you had any of that, or have you been able to avoid that kind of uh, those kind of situations? Uh, so I've got two that I'm going to share with you. Okay. Uh, one, uh, after my diagnosis, uh, I was actually going to see my primary care physician really for my, my annual physical, uh, man, go do that. Um, yes. And I was filling out my history and the little tech that was in there, she's like, Oh, did you mean to mark breast cancer? I was like, I absolutely <laughs> did. He's like, Oh, okay. And so she was kind of shy. And I was like, you're a medical professional. You shouldn't be asking questions like that. <laughs> right. But did you check the right box here? Are you sure? <laughs> uh, and and I, I'm thinking you probably read this because I shared it in the group. Um, back in November, I was still doing radiation treatments. Uh, no, it was back in October. I'm sorry. It was before okay. the election. And I was walking into the local grocery store and I had on a mask that has a pink and blue ribbon on it for male breast cancer awareness. And I had on a t-shirt that said that had the pink and blue ribbon. It said men have breasts too. And this woman, and it wasn't a cranky old woman. It was a woman probably in her mid forties. She looks at me and she goes, you sexist Trump supporters. Y'all can't even let women have breast cancer all to themselves. Oh my God. No, and I don't. I don't remember seeing that post. That's, that's crazy. Oh, <laughs> so bad. And, and I had just gotten home or was coming home from a long day. I had done radiation that morning. I'm looking like a lobster. This is October, two weeks before I finish up with my radiation. I raise my shirt up and bear my scar and all my blisters and say, yes, bitch, I didn't have a fucking case. <laughs> right in the middle of the grocery store. And I realized how inappropriate it was and how I had just destroyed so much message sharing. But I was like, you know what? <laughs> She's never going to say that to another man. And I get down to the end of the aisle and there's this very large strapping football player looking kind of guy. And he's like, dude, way to shut the Karen up. <laughs> and so that's, that's always been the, the one that I share 
is, you know, hey, yes, we get we get cancer yeah. in our breast just yep. like you do. And That's good stuff, man. Good for you. Probably good politics, but it was felt good in the moment. <laughs> All right, Danny Riggs, you have made it through uh, the interview portion, and now we are on to the gauntlet of random questions. Oh, good um, golly. I've got some, you know, I've got some tried and true ones for you here today. Um, let's start with, let's start with this one. Uh, what place, I usually ask what place in the U.S., but let's expand it. Is there a place in the U.S. or the world that you've never been to that you have on your bucket list? Uh, absolutely. Uh, Australia. I've oh, yeah. never been to Australia. Uh, avid scuba diver, and obviously that's like the mecca for scuba diving. So that's so. Definitely. So shout out to our Australian wolves. Uh, we've got a handful of them, and I'm sure if you uh, you know touch base with some of those guys, they can hook you up to some pretty awesome uh, adventures down there, yes. down under. <laughs> um, what um, have you ever? So I read that you like making breakfast for your family. Have you ever caught something on fire while you were cooking? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I learned very quickly that if I'm cooking inside and my wife, that's a whole other running joke that my wife is like, you know, you've got a smoker and a grill and a flat top. You need to do your cooking outside and quit messing up my kitchen. <laughs> but yeah, I've, uh, I've caught dish towels on fire. Um, I caught the oven on fire when I had spilled some baking grease in there and didn't know that. Nice. Uh, but yeah, there, there's been a couple little there's ones. There's been a that, couple close yeah, calls. That, fortunately they were like, and the fire was out, but you know, there you, you go. have a fire extinguisher hanging on the wall for a reason. Uh, have you ever made a really bad style choice? Like, what was the worst style choice you ever made? So this is the reason this is gone. Uh, in my late he's, teens. He's rubbing his scalp. Yes. That is his nice bald dome. Uh, in my late teens and early 20s, uh, everybody wanted to look like Billy Ray Cyrus. And it was business in the front and party in the back. <laughs> oh, and yes, wow. I had mu- a genuine mullet. It. Until the day I, I was walking up one of our uh, media people with the fire department was behind me taking pictures as I'm walking up to start establishing command and giving instructions on this fire we're fighting. And she takes the picture from behind me and I see this huge solar panel with this drape of mohawk of mullet behind it. And I was like, <laughs> Oh no, 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 no. And the next day i was clean shaven and have stayed that way ever since <laughs> can you pl- i please post a f- couple a photo or two of the mullet of danny with the mullet in the howling place like you need to dig something up and put that out i there. will find something and ask I people to share something. yeah ask people to share their old hair because that would be i think that would be one of the most commented threads so you need to do that um and lastly the great pizza debate it's not over. It's never going to be over. Where do you stand on pineapple on pizza? Yes or no? Yes. God. I'm really, I'm, <laughs> I'm talking to my therapist about this and she's really encouraging me to, to, I don't know, make peace with you people, you pineapple eaters. Um, I'm still at war with you. So 
I'm just, okay. but I'm working on it. I am talking about it in my weekly counseling. I'm, I'm working it out. Hopefully we I'm can gonna, find I'm some peace in 2022. Server. All right, go ahead. I'm going to help you with this one. This, this is a free counseling session. Okay. So as you're probably aware, in Texas, the great debate is chili. Beans. Okay. No, I've not. I didn't. I. I. I mean, tell. Yeah. Go. Oh ahead. yes. That. That is. That is the ultimate argument in Texas when it comes to food. Do you put beans in chili? Yes or no? Oh, okay. Gotcha. And a purist and the Texas chili cook-off rules. You do not put beans in your chili. Okay. I'm fine with that. But guess what? That's for American Texas chili. When I make my chili, I put beans in my chili because it's my chili hell yeah i put pineapple on my pizza because it's my pizza so you're saying it's danny's pizza not trevor's pizza pineapple goes all over my pizza it doesn't come anywhere near yours you know what i feel like i made a little bit of a breakthrough tonight thank you you danny thank you for that that counseling (laughs) (laughs) oh thank you so much um before we hop off i just want to say you know, how much I personally appreciate you. Um, you know, you talk about how you're fortunate to have found the group and to, you, you really enjoy it and, and all the benefits that you got get out of it. Well, you know, for me, seeing people like you come in and, and get things out of it and then give like the amount that you give and what you put into the group and the help you give others and just your generosity makes a big difference. And so I want to thank you for that. And also thank you for stepping up as a Wolfpack leader. Um, I have your swag bags almost finished. There's a bunch of awesome stuff in it and I'm waiting for one special item to come in. Um, apparently there's some supply chain issues happening. Uh, I know, right? I know. Um, but one item is remaining and then I'm going to ship those boxes out to you guys to get you your merch and different, uh, fun things to thank you for, for stepping up and talking to folks and encouraging them to, to listen to what we're saying about man up to cancer, which is, Hey, if you're, this is it, it is this simple. Literally, if you're a man and you're facing cancer or you're impacted by cancer as a caregiver or whatever, don't go it alone. There's a community for you there. You know, and like you said, even if it's not man up to cancer, find people somewhere, find people. So you're not isolated, find your people, find your tribe, find your pack, whatever it is, find your people. Yes. You don't have to do this alone. Thank you, Danny. I definitely think that uh, we're going to have a chance to talk here again. So I really appreciate your time and um, we'll see you in the howling place. All right. Look forward to it, Trevor. All right. Love you, buddy. Love you too, man. Good night. Thanks for listening to the man up to cancer podcast. If you want to support our mission, visit patreon.com backslash man up to cancer. Monthly subscriptions start at five bucks, less than a single cup of coffee at some establishments. And if you know a man struggling with the isolation that cancer can bring, let him know about us. The Wolfpack doors are always open. Big thanks again to Blue Note Therapeutics for sponsoring today's podcast. Blue Note creates prescription digital therapy apps to help patients address the common yet overlooked side effects of cancer like stress, anxiety, and depression. Check out their new fully remote clinical trial at bluenotetherapeutics.com backslash trials.